Boy, are we simmering a political jambalaya for this legislative session. Put together a few things. We've got a governor in an election year. We've got an interesting legislative session and a divided state. You are about to see some very fascinating fireworks when it comes to the 2022 Florida legislative session. And we're going to check out some of the highlights today on Florida's Fourth Estate. I'm Matt Austin. And I'm Ginger Gadsden. And your statement about it being an interesting legislative session might be the understatement of this whole podcast of the year. Interesting. It is so bizarre, some of the things happening right now. But I digress. We have someone who will unpack all of that for us. And he knows bizarre. Oh my gosh, he knows bizarre for sure. (laughs) We love this guy. We're talking about UCF history professor and political analyst. Also, my cousin once removed, Dr. Jim Clark. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, cousin. How are you? Go South Carolina. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) It's so good to see you, Jim. Very good good to see see you. you. You always have a way of bringing uh, things that are complicated in the the world of Florida politics and giving us bite-sized chunks and making it make sense uh, when sense can be made. So we're hoping that you can do that now. We just started the 2022 legislative session just a couple of days ago. And uh, boy, it started off with a bang. It did. Uh, The governor gave a speech. um, You know, the South is strange, Ginger. After, uh, After the Civil War, the South wanted to make sure that that nobody got too much power. And so they passed a number of laws and the governor of Florida was one of the weakest governors in the country. Um, And they created a cabinet to share power. Um, They created all kinds of local offices that don't exist in the North, tax collector, property appraiser, uh, to diffuse power. And Florida ended up with the second weakest governor in the country uh, and uh, next to North Carolina. And now we suddenly find Ron DeSantis as perhaps the most powerful governor in the country. Uh, What Ron wants, Ron gets. And how how did that come to be, Jim? How did he get, I mean, this is a guy who when he started to run for governor, most people didn't know who he was. He certainly wasn't a front runner. Uh, He got the Trump endorsement. He really took over. He became governor. And now not only is he a governor, but he pretty much runs the state and gets what he wants. Was there a moment where that took place? How did he do that? You know, that's a a great question. And I've thought about it a great deal. You know, at this juncture in the year, you would be talking about the Senate president and the House speaker Mm -hmm. and what they wanted. Mm -hmm. I doubt if you have even said their names in the last last week. But in past sessions, like last year, year before, it was, what do those people want? What does the Senate president want? And now it's, what does Ron DeSantis want? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think partially a lot of it has to do, especially the past couple of years, is that he has a captive audience and he's had the opportunity to speak directly to not only the people of Florida, speak to the nation. And people around the country are uttering his name, not just as the governor, but as a possible presidential candidate somewhere down the line. 
not only are they uttering his name, they're giving him tens of millions of dollars. He's been around the country raising money. Um, I, I'm sure he's way over this, but the last time I saw a number, it was over $50 million wow. that he has raised. Five zero, not one five. Yes, five zero. Wow. Fifty okay. million dollars. And you can really tell a lot by a legislative session during an election year. And he's really throwing it all out there, all of all of the talking points. I, you know, you can kind of get if it's not an election year, they can slip in some things that maybe they don't care about or there's not going to be a big fight. This is going to tell the story of what happens in this election, whether he gets some of these things to really reinforce his base. Right. Is that what is that what he's going to try to do here, Jim? Yeah, he's, he's used the word freedom uh, probably a dozen times the other day. Uh, and that's uh, going to be his thing, that people in Florida are free. Uh, they, can, mm -hmm. they don't have to go along with uh, health mandates. Uh, and so um, I think that's setting himself up for a presidential run in two years. Very interesting. So let's dive into some of the actual issues uh, that we're going to be seeing taking place over uh, this legislative session. Uh, obviously, I guess we'll start with the big talker here. Um, uh, legislation was introduced to ban abortions after 15 weeks. I, sh I shouldn't say all abortions, most of them. There are a few exceptions, uh, but this, this would be a big change in Florida law. It's not quite as stringent as, say, laws in Texas, not quite what Mississippi is. Uh, Jim, what do you think the likelihood of this passing would be? Well, most people had expected a Texas-like bill where they set up vigilantes to go out and look for abortion doctors. Um, State Representative Barnaby from Volusia County introduced such a bill, and it went absolutely nowhere, which surprised me. It did not pick up co-sponsors. It did not get a companion bill in the Senate. Oh. And it looks like it's dead. The governor has come up with a, a, a bill which to a lot of people sounds extremely reasonable, uh, allowing uh, some abortions in some cases. So I think people were surprised at that. Um, but in the, at the end of the day, the whole thing may be mute because uh, the Supreme Court's gonna rule any day now uh, on this issue based on cases from Georgia and Mississippi and Texas. So they're going to set the new ground rules. And uh, Florida may be, you know, able to do some changes after those new ground rules are set. But um, it's going to be interesting to see if, if this is just politics. Yeah, and you know, and and that's a real controversial one. One that's not as controversial, I think, is that he also wants to hire and keep more police officers in the state, giving them bonuses and things like that. And lots of law enforcement officers are really uh, looking at that as something good. And people are leaving other places and coming to Florida. Yes, yes, and he has made a direct appeal to those officers, and especially cities like. Chicago, where mm -hmm. a large number of officers have quit rather than take the, uh, the vaccine shots. And he's saying, come on down, come to Florida. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if in fact, uh, Florida is able to draw any away. But um, yeah, uh, and this is a, a group that uh, uh, votes and uh, has a lot of sway in the state. So he has been going after them. 
Yeah, and the, the two groups that he's targeted that I I am shocked that most governors or all governors don't target these groups. I know Rick Scott made a lot of enemies at times with the teachers. Like, uh, you know, he uh, he would kind of in an election year make some uh, make some decisions to give them. But Florida teachers been underpaid for years and years. And uh, Governor DeSantis, he wants to give them bonuses and uh, put a big chunk of the budget toward making the teachers happy, right? Which is a huge block of voters. Yeah, um, Rick Scott, you're absolutely right. Um, <clears throat> he was extremely effective. He angered the teachers union for three years in his first term. And then he gave them all bonuses and made them very happy in the fourth year and won re-election by a, uh, by a narrow, <laughs> narrow margin. Uh, so uh, very astute politically. Um, the, the problem is, uh, that the money is being spent on the coming into the job area. We have moved up remarkably. Uh, we're one of the best paying in terms of starting pay. The problem is after just a few years, you top out. Mm -hmm. And overall, we're 49th in the country in teacher pay. Um, and so it's basically saying, Hey, college students, come on in and teach. We'll give you a good starting salary, but then they'll find out down the road that they've kind of peaked out. Yeah, but that sort of defeats the purpose too, because then you know we get these great teachers who start in a few years, and then they realize they can make a better salary. They get the training here, and then they go somewhere else where you know they're paid a, a little bit more, a lot more actually. The other thing that concerns teachers, he also wants to overhaul the testing system to get rid of the standardized test and revamp that whole system because a lot of people complain that the teachers teach for the test. Right, right. That's exactly right. <clears throat> Ever since these tests were introduced, teachers have been uh, held responsible for how their students do. So obviously it's in their best interest to teach the test. And the question is, uh, does that help the students? And so for a decade now, there've been calls to change this system. There've been some minor tinkering, uh, but finally it looks like there's gonna be a major overhaul for legislation that was passed uh, by another Republican, Jeb Bush. Yeah, and, and so we've gone through some of these bills that are gonna be popular. I mean, these are just kind of like, Common sense, give teachers, give police officers raises. Um, what about critical race theory? Because this is one of those issues that a lot of us have a hard time wrapping our mind around how this isn't just a divisive topic that you would think you would want to stay away from as a politician. So there's there are some bills to ban critical race theory in our schools, which, by the way, no school in Florida that we could ever find teaches critical race theory. Um, so this is sort of a solution looking for a problem. Jim, why why is this? Is this just a strict appeal to the base? What, what is the purpose of this critical race theory yeah, stuff? Uh, House Bill 57 would, in effect, outlaw the teaching of uh, critical race theory and also kind of uh, uh, govern uh, uh, you know, mandatory training kinds of things for, for students. So. Um, and you're right, nobody's ever found anybody teaching critical race theory in Florida, but it is one of those hot button culture war 
issues uh, that people feel strongly about. And so that's one of the things the governor wants passed, and I'm sure it will pass um, simply because the Republicans control the legislature so, so strongly. I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, Matt, you said it perfectly. It's a, it's a, a solution looking for a problem. There's no, there's no problem because it's not even taught. But what, and it's almost like they're, if it were taught, he's saying that it would be taught in a way that would make it seem as if all white people are bad. Like we're blaming for slavery and all the things that have happened in the past. And that is not what... CRT is, and that's the problem. It doesn't have a clear definition for a lot of people out there. They don't understand what it actually is. So they just hear, it's like, oh, I'm the bad guy here. No, I don't want kids to know. I mean, you have to know about slavery. You have to know about the civil rights movement in order to not repeat those things that, you know, things are a cliche for a reason because they're true. If you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it, right? So I don't understand, that's one of the things that just, I think a lot of people who hear that, it upsets them quite a bit because it's unnecessary to you know, say, we're never going to teach this. Well, and you've seen um, school board meetings where there have been fights uh, breaking out uh, and, and where it's not being taught. Uh, people just feel so strongly about this and, uh, in Florida, again, it's not being taught, but uh, people have been elected to school boards in Florida on promises of not teaching it. <laughs> that's an easy uh, promise to come through. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're never gonna teach something we're not teaching right now. Yeah, and, and, and their opponents, the incumbent members have said, we're not teaching it. And they still got voted out. So. <laughs> wow. It's a, you know, it's crazy. Um, so, you know, I do want to bring up something that's happened in the past couple of days that I find very interesting uh, that you have uh, former President Trump coming out and saying that he has been boosted, got the shot, got oh, boosted. Yeah. This is interesting. And he is criticizing his other Republican uh, uh, fellows for not saying that they have been boosted. And there was a, a soundbite that I saw in, you know, Ron DeSantis was on, I think it was Maria Bartiromo on Fox saying, have you gotten the booster? Uh, and his answer was, I, I did what I needed to do to, it, it was a non-answer. Yeah. And so uh, former President Trump says, the people who won't say that they've been boosted and encourage other people to get boosted, he called them gutless. And I felt like, whoa, that's a shot fired over the bow. What do you think? Yeah, I, um, I was a little surprised at this. I had always thought that uh, President Trump missed the boat on uh, claiming a legacy in history. If you go back uh, 13 and 14 months, uh, when President Trump at the time said, hey, we're going to have a vaccine by the end of the year, he was greeted with outright laughter, especially from Democrats who said, oh, you're, you're playing politics, you're trying to win the election, uh, there's no way there could be a vaccine, this takes forever, uh, and he did Operation it. Warp Speed was, yeah. it was a huge success. And, yes, and the kind of thing, I mean, imagine if you could come up with a cure for something that's killing hundreds of thousands of people, 
and he never really embraced it. But do you think that's what he's trying to, he's trying to go back. He's trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube and go back to that moment and claim that I started this train and so now I'm back on it. So I want credit for it. Yeah. Which, I mean, he should take credit. We, we give him credit for Operation Warp Speed and getting that thing going. So, but why do you think he didn't capitalize on it then? I think it became so controversial so fast that he was uh, worried during the election about alienating his base mm. the people coming out now ginger and saying oh how dare you get a booster and uh, yeah he got booed at a rally for saying he yeah. was boosted yeah um but you know i'm not sure whether he's going to run in 2024 whether he can get reelected in 2024 but this could be uh, along with the supreme court appointments his legacy this could be what goes in the history books and it's, what students it, are teaching you know, it, it, it's a good point, Jim. I, you know, I hadn't thought about it like that, but it is totally true. You know, he, you would think he would have been the vaccine Casanova, you know, like the I, the vaccine guy. And then all of a sudden there was this turn where uh, they didn't really talk about it. And it was kind of like, I want everybody to, you know, it's, it is just, it is strange because you, but that is a good point. Like if he had owned it some more, you would think that would have given him a lot of political capital. I thought the same thing sort of happened uh, with the, in Iraq, you know, when, when he was, when he took over as president, uh, it was a mess over there. ISIS was, had this whole country and then all of a sudden it wasn't a problem anymore. And then I never heard anything about it come the election. It was a, just some strange moves by, I don't know if it's him or his team to where they didn't focus on the things that, that really that were, were successful. success. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, I felt a little bit sorry for him in some ways that he never was able to get a great team. And um, you look at two elections uh, where this is so obvious. In 2000, when uh, the Florida election was thrown into to doubt, the Republicans sent in a team that included James Baker, the former Secretary of State and one of the best lawyers in the country, Brett Kavanaugh, who is now on the Supreme <laughs> Court, uh, Neil Grosh, who's now on the Supreme Court, and they won the presidency for George Bush. Um, you fast forward 20 years, uh, President Trump is in trouble uh, going uh, down in the election, and he gets what, Rudy Giuliani and Sidney <laughs> Powell? I mean, where, where were the- That's a downgrade. Yeah, where were the heavy hitters? Where, where were people who could get in there and throw elbows? Um, uh, so, um, you know, I never, for some reason, he could not attract the best and the brightest. Yeah, and in that case, that was a tougher sell, I think. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that too many people yeah. other than Rudy Giuliani would kind of jump on that <laughs> grenade. Um, but you know, we are where we are. So here's what I'm curious. I'm getting back to the, we have, I like to venture off with you because you have, you have such a wide knowledge base. So I want to talk about, as we go into this Florida legislative session, we've said there's a ton of stuff that Ron DeSantis, uh, is going to get, are, are there any friction points in there that he's going to have with the legislature that they're going to be like, all right, Ron, you're not getting this. What do you think? Uh, I think just on the fringes. We saw the special session a couple months ago where 
his plan was really more radical. If you remember, he was going to punish businesses with huge fines if they mandated masks or shots. And the legislature toned that down so that uh, it ended up not affecting very many people at all. Uh, it was more of a symbolic thing. Mm -hmm. So I think the legislature may uh, uh, adjust some legislation, but he's going to get 90% of what he, 95% of what he wants. He is that um, powerful. And strangely enough, one of the reasons uh, he is powerful is because of Joe Biden. Uh, I doubt if Governor DeSantis will thank Joe Biden. But remember, <laughs> the state has gotten billions of dollars from this federal stimulus money. So uh, the governor has plenty of money. Usually we're talking about, oh, there's not enough money. They're going to have to make choices. This year, you're not hearing any of that. He's going to be able to fund every initiative he wants to because of this influx of federal money. So they, they aren't going to have those controversies that they've had in the past. Yeah, I won't be holding my breath for that. Thank you. <laughs> Can you imagine that press conference? <laughs> Listen, guys, I just want to thank Joe Biden for yeah. all the money. <laughs> Never. That would, for everybody would be like the world's ending. I was like, what? What did just happen? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, what? I, I Go forgot ahead. to mention that, speaking of President Trump, one of the bills introduced by Representative uh, Sabatini of Lake County is to rename US 27, oh, yeah. the Donald J. Trump Highway. Um, it goes through the middle of the state, Lake County, it's a major artery in, in Lake County and down uh, uh, south. And so uh, uh, I, am, I cannot, I'm not sure how many people support it. I cannot imagine any Republican voting against it. Right. Uh, but it does not have a companion bill in the Senate yet. So it'll be interesting to see if it goes anywhere. I'm sure we'll find out soon enough. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, anything else we should be keeping an eye on? Because, you know, sometimes there are the, those obscure things that, you know, we do like top 10 lists, but is there anything that we probably haven't talked about that it's like, you know, what we haven't mentioned or kept our eye on? Well, the guns on campus bill is back. This comes up every year to allow students and uh, faculty to carry guns uh, and extremely controversial. I, I always think of Matt when I think of this bill. If his teachers had thought he was carrying a gun at FSU, he might've gotten better grades. So, <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> I was wondering where that was going. I was like, oh boy, where is he taking this Packing one? Packing heat at work, oh, what's happening? Man. Oh gosh, yeah, it's <laughs> probably true though. There's a little truth to that. So, um, so that's back. Um, but otherwise, again, I think this is going to be a fairly clean session. The uh, big issue is going to be uh, redistricting. Mm -hmm. And um, so far, there are two versions of the redistricting plan. One is from the Senate, which is very reasonable, just some modest shifts. It creates another Republican district, uh, mainly out of Polk County. Uh, and that will give them uh, a margin of what, 17 to 11 in the uh, congressional delegation, which is a tribute to their past 
gerrymandering. Because remember, there the number of Republicans and Democrats in Florida is equal. And yet they will control six more congressional seats. So they've been able to do that pretty successfully. Meanwhile, the House legislation is much more radical. It would really carve out some districts. And the question is, will the courts approve it? That's the one thing the legislature does not want. 10 years ago, they came up with this radical plan, did all kinds of weird things to punish Democrats, and the courts overruled it and gave the responsibility to the League of Women Voters to draw the lines. Uh, the legislature does not want that happening again. Yeah, And is See, that one of the reasons, I'm sorry, Matt, go no, ahead. Go ahead. Is well, I was just going to say, is it, is it the so the Senate version you think is probably going to be the more realistic one that we'll see, Jim? I think so. Uh, it's just interesting. Um, one of those involved in the House, of course, is Representative Sabatini, who we mentioned, who's running for the Stephanie Murphy congressional That's seat. Gonna, so yeah. he would like that district carved, and one map had it had it going from Orlando to the villages. Kind of cutting across the across the. It state. makes perfect sense. I love the ones yeah. that are shaped like a C or like an S. So. Yeah, yeah. It's like a day to travel up and down. <laughs> I, I was that. That's what I was going to ask you about. Is that one of the reasons because of the redrawing that Stephanie Murphy is not going to run because she sees the writing on the wall? That's a real shock. I um, I would have bet against that. Uh, with just about everything I have. She had already raised lots of money. She was campaigning on Facebook, social media. You saw her ads. Thank you, Stephanie Murphy, ads uh, everywhere. And uh, uh, then all of a sudden she's out. And uh, it's unclear. She said, oh, you know, this isn't the end. But it's really unclear. Some people have talked about her running for uh, against Rick Scott down the road. But it's really unclear where she goes from here uh, in terms of political office. Uh, I thought if a Democrat was going to win, Stephanie Murphy had the best chance. She was seen as kind of a moderate. She's been one of the middle of the road people. Uh, and uh, no Democrat, you'll notice, has really stepped forward since her announcement. Yeah, yeah. it is strange how that ha you Normally, in that case, when somebody drops it so quick, there's a clear plan that they're going to run for this. And that doesn't seem to be the case here. I guess, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Jim Clark, it is always enlightening talking to you, my friend. I just feel so much smarter. Don't you, Ginger? I just feel like my IQ raised about seven points. I just feel better. I just feel better about the world. <laughs> it's nice to be able to laugh about all the craziness in Florida politics. Jim Clark, UCF history professor, gem of a guy. Just a good man. So thanks for talking to us, Jim. We appreciate you, bro. Thanks. Have a great one. All right. This has been another edition of Florida's Fourth Estate. Have yourself an awesome week. We'll see you next week. Bye.